Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. Today, I want to talk about the power of a back catalog. What is a back catalog? I'm sure you've heard people in the music business talk about a record label's back catalog. Today, I want to unpack what it is and why it matters so much to the long-term sustainability of your record label. First, we need to know if there's a universal definition or what might constitute uh, a release that has now become back catalog or often it's just referred to as catalog music. In fact, it's become a bit of a hot topic lately as legacy artists are selling their catalog to major labels and investors as a way to cash out, knowing that their old music still earns money through streaming on TV and in commercials and, and on new vinyl. And we'll talk about all this in a minute. By the way, we're getting very in-depth today and didactic, so keep up with the notes from today by going to otherrecordlabels.com slash backcatalog. The average person would just refer to catalog music as old music or a classic album. The music industry officially refers to catalog music as any album that is older than 18 months. Originally, there were issues with Billboard in the early 90s where Older albums originally released on vinyl were being repurchased by customers on CD. And this confused the charts and messed things up for new releases. I don't know if this solved the problem or how the charts deal with catalog releases right now. I mean, I just checked the Billboard Hot 100 singles. And as I record this, it's the second day of December. And number four on the charts is Mariah Carey's Christmas song. And number five on the top 100 is Brenda Lee's Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. And on the top 200 albums, Michael Bublé's record is at number 10. So um, I, I'm not sure if, if that law or the reason why they created this term back catalog um, was to kind of protect the, the charts or to save the charts for new releases only. I don't think that still applies. Obviously, it doesn't. Um, okay, holiday music tangent over. So for most of us, uh, in, in our other record labels community, the original concept of catalog music is mostly useless. But for the purpose of today's episode, I want to camp out on the subject of your record labels back catalog and why it's something that you should pay attention to. We don't necessarily need to stick to the 18-month rule, but I think that's a decent marker for what might be considered back catalog. In some cases, an album that's barely six months old can feel like back catalog. A lot of us don't have the luxury of appearing on year-end lists or having artists that tour an album for a whole year. And so that makes it feel like albums die quicker, something we've talked a lot about on this show. I have five reasons why your back catalog is extremely powerful for any record label and why you should build it up, nurture it, celebrate it, and stop underestimating its power. So let's dive in. Number one, your back catalog represents your future catalog. Your back catalog says more about your future than it says about your past, meaning it's because we've released these things that enable us to release what comes next, not just financially, but from a creative perspective. Creatively, Beethoven's third symphony is his most accomplished, but it's his fifth symphony that, that let me say that again, it's his fifth symphony <laughs> that is most popular. And what does this tell us? It tells us that his first and his second enabled his third. And without them, we wouldn't have the third. And, and without the fourth, um, I don't know if anyone talks about the fourth symphony, we wouldn't have the fifth um, or, or the ninth symphony. So what you released last year 
is a step towards what you're working on today. And what you're working on today is another step for what you'll be working on tomorrow. Number two is the concept of the long tail. The concept of the long tail is a statistical phenomenon where the initial burst of excitement for something is generally considered the head. The concept of the long tail refers to all of the moderate interest in a certain thing in the time that occurs after that initial burst, and that's the tail. And the theory is that products in low demand or with low sales volume can collectively make up a market share that rivals or exceeds that initial short-term high burst. For example, let's say a new album comes out in the 80s and sells a million copies in its first year. That's the head of the graph. Now let's say the same album sells only 25,000 copies for the next 40 years. That's the long tail. So the graph looks like a long tail, or it would look like a hockey stick with the blade first for all of our Canadian listeners out there who can do better to picture that. So what does this mean for us? Let's bring this concept home for a second. Let's say we have this audacious goal of having one of our new singles earn 100,000 streams a month on Spotify. That's not easy to do, by the way, especially without playlist help. In fact, it's extremely difficult to do. Even just achieving 100,000 streams total is really difficult, let alone uh, per month. You'd have to really have a popular song to do those kind of numbers. That's over a million streams a year. Now, what about a goal of 100 streams a month? That number is quite easily done. Just leave your song on repeat when you go to bed. So let's compare the audacious goal of one song earning 100,000 plays a month with instead aiming to have a back catalog of 1,000 songs that each earn 100 plays a month, or maybe just 100 songs that each earn 1,000 plays a month. I know I'm oversimplifying this, but at the same time, not really. It shows you how a strong back catalog can make a significant impact. And a thousand songs, I know that sounds like a lot, but that's maybe a hundred records. Maybe that's something achievable for a label who's been around for 10 years. So all of a sudden we can see that a back catalog can help us achieve really great things just based on the power of quantity. I think you get the concept. Okay, number three, multiple opportunities for success. This concept is self-explanatory and it's similar to what I've talked about in the past when it comes to why artists and labels should be prolific. Releasing a lot of music, because every time you release something new, it provides your label with another chance at reaching a new listener, breaking through the noise, getting lucky, etc. The same can be said about our back catalog. A robust back catalog of music can benefit you in a few ways. You could um, be uh, open to future syncs. Um, We did a whole series on sync licensing, by the way, this past summer. You can learn about that by going to otherrecordlabels.com slash sync. But look at it this way. Um, Very often, the music supervisors or um, production houses will be on the lookout for something very specific. I think I used the example back in the summer when we were doing the series about um, a sync, um, a, a music supervisor who I know reached out to me asking about uh, a happy-go-lucky song about hot dogs. <laughs> now, I had nothing remotely close to that. But this idea about having a deep back catalog is that sometimes a music supervisor will be looking for something really, really specific or want a song that has a specific lyric in in the in the lyrics. 
And um, having a back catalog could open you up to future syncs. And, and you know, oftentimes I, I hear pitches that are much simpler than that. You know, sometimes it's just a woman-led vocals that is about um, how great it is to be alive. You know, something kind of somewhat specific, but a little bit easier to, to locate in a catalog of 100 songs or 1,000 songs. It also opens you up to random discoveries. So I recently had a major label artist who put one of uh, our own songs on their personal playlist. They just made their own playlist of songs they like. I had no idea how or why. And the song was like eight years old. But that's what's great is that there's these opportunities that can come about, not just for your latest release, which is often what we're most interested in, but also your catalog releases. And then there's the totally unexpected. Um, for example, friends of mine are in this band called Elevator, spelt with two L's. Fantastic band, looked them up. And they did a cover of Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill. And they did a cover of it maybe three or four years ago. It was quite a while ago now. And I think you know where this story is going. But like when that song, the original version of that song was placed on Stranger Things just uh, recently then all of a sudden, naturally, people are just into that song and are looking for other versions of that song or are searching for it on Spotify. And maybe Elevator's song comes up and they saw a huge um, burst in the video for that and the, and the song for that. So here's a cover that becomes extremely well-received when it's released a few years ago, just in, to the normal extent that their music is received. And then all of a sudden now it opens them up to this whole new uh, realm of opportunity for people to discover this band and to listen to their other music because they had this song in their catalog. So these are more arguments for being prolific, but this is why it's great to have a back catalog. And of course, one other final thing is anniversary reissues. I feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, all of my favorite records of my teens and, and 20s are now being reissued as a 20-year special edition, which is making me feel old and um, taking advantage of my nostalgia and costing me money. But this is really an interesting area of opportunity to do something uh, special, to do these special editions of your releases five or 10 or at 20-year intervals. And so lots of opportunities for success when you have a, a rich back catalog. Number four very similar to what we just mentioned is when an artist blows up or when an artist graduates from your label and goes on to a bigger label. We've had a few labels on this podcast over the years who have had an artist graduate onto a bigger label or a different label uh, to a new audience. We can talk about the overall pros and cons of this happening another day. But for the purpose of a back catalog, it can be one of the rewards of your initial hard work. An artist who goes viral for whatever reason hopefully a good reason, their back catalog will inevitably see an increase in plays uh, all relative to the size of their back catalog and and with you and, and, and how much they're blowing up at the time. And this can happen from unexpected distribution channels. It could be their song. I, I've known, I know two artists right now who have catalog songs that are, that were kind of fallen into that um, TikTok algorithm of like trending songs. They're kind of just cutesy songs. And, you know, I, I don't know, this is another conversation because I don't know if the people who are using these songs for their, their own TikToks are really 
doing justice for the music and and but hopefully people are i mean definitely the artists are getting paid for it uh it's it's affecting their overall streams on spotify and you know hopefully some of those people a small percentage of those people who like that trending song are are going over to their catalog and discovering all of their music but i think when an artist blows up having a rich back catalog there's these unexpected things that can happen an artist can can accidentally start taking off on tiktok or on soundcloud out of nowhere uh, or they just have a funny tweet and then they link to their bandcamp or their soundcloud uh, and all of this little success parlays into bandcamp physical sales or merch sales um, we've known i've had a few labels on the show where where artists just are completely blown up but they still have the rights to their earlier catalog and that can be something quite substantial and number five and finally is this current state of streaming one of the biggest arguments for a healthy and sizable back catalog is how streaming has changed the revenue models for record labels today music is essentially rented i mentioned earlier about the back catalogs of major legacy artists like Neil Young and Bob Dylan and Springsteen selling off their catalogs. This is because investors know that these songs are printing money day after day as new generations discover the music and as they continue to earn renewing revenue on Spotify with zero overhead. It's a really novel way for people to profit from art. And because of this model, um, this really speaks into the power of a back catalog. And so going back to the very beginning, I remember I mentioned that a back catalog is considered 18 months and older. And so what we know now is I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's between 60 and 80%. It might be even be as high as 80%, but let's say it's 60% conservatively of music that's streamed today is catalog music. So that means that less than half of the music that is streamed is new music. Most people are going to Spotify to listen to old records. Um, I mean, you even look at the biggest artist in the world, Taylor Swift, who's reissuing her original albums herself because she knows that these records, even though they're 10, 15 years old, they still do just as well as her latest release. I was thinking about years ago when streaming started to become ubiquitous, I was thinking about the you know, how this model compares to the previous model. And I was, I was, when it kind of dawned on me, I was driving in my car and I was listening to a copy, a CD copy of Radiohead's Kid A. I remember the day I bought this record. It was in an HMV in Canada. And it was the year 2000. And I think it was October. And I went to the mall um, and I bought this record, this CD for 20 odd dollars. And I just, I played it nonstop when I got it. But the funny thing is, is I still listen to that album all the time. And so Radiohead and their record company got $20 from me 22 years ago. And I still have that CD and I still listen to it occasionally. And I think I've probably ripped it years ago onto my iTunes. And so when I'm streaming it or playing it on my computer and digitally, it's from that original CD. And so the model, and back then, obviously they they, you know, $25 for a CD and, and they made a lot of money back then, but they're actually making more money now because people are buying those records like Kid A on vinyl, but they're also just streaming them over and over and over. And that's just what's really interesting. That's the state of the music we're in now. I'm not here to argue whether that's a good thing or not, but it certainly is a good thing if you have a big catalog 
because then you can get your monthly reports from your digital distributor and go, wow, you know, our latest release made 50% of this month's revenue, but all of our 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 previous releases made up the other 50%, or maybe that number is bigger. Maybe it'll be 60 or 80% for you. Uh, regardless, it's an interesting piece of the pie is that this is like a recurring revenue for having these back catalogs. Now, of course, there's ways to, we did an episode years ago about promoting your back catalog, and we can't really dive into that today, but it just shows this is the power of back catalog. And um, it's now up to you to determine how you nurture that, you build it up, and you promote it. Finally, your call to action from today, now that we've kind of argued the five points of why a back catalog is powerful, and I'll go back over them again. Your back catalog represents your future catalog. So you need to release things in the past to help you create what you're creating today and what you're going to create in the future. They're all stepping stones. Number two is the concept of the long tail, that we could get a 100,000 streams from one song, or more easily, we could get 100 streams from 1,000 songs, however the math works out for you. Number three, multiple opportunities for success. So there's opportunities for future syncs down the road and anniversary reissues. And then, of course, number four, when an artist blows up, we just talked about. And number five, uh, with the current state of streaming and how music is going, that it's favoring back catalogs. And it benefits record labels who have back catalogs. Here's your call to actions. Two things. Number one is this speaks to the power of staying persistent and consistent because the only way you build a back catalog is by continually releasing music quarterly, a few times a year, once a year, whatever it is that you can maintain. I know some labels out there do monthly or two releases a month. Good for you. I can't manage that, but whatever it is, it's important that you stay consistent and persistent because you can't build a back catalog today. You can't build a back catalog in the short term. This is something that happens in the long term. So you need to stay consistent. And number two, call to action, is focus on your back catalog. Now that you have a back catalog, now that we've talked about the benefits of one, focus on it. Focus on your back catalog as much as you focus on your future catalog. And that's hard to do because we as humans like new things. We like novel things. And so it's important that you divide your time and, and crunch your numbers. So look at your all your sales numbers and determine how much money is your back catalog bringing in versus new releases. So if it's 50-50, then you should be focusing on how do I promote my back catalog just as much as you're promoting your new releases. If your new releases are earning you 80% of your revenue, well, then you should really only be dedicating 20% of your time to your back catalog. Now, I'm going to take all the notes today because I know we talked about a lot here. I'm going to take the notes and I'll put them together at otherrecordlabels.com slash catalog. So you don't need to remember everything. I'm very curious. I love to hear from you. And you can send me an email anytime you want. Podcast at otherrecordlabels.com about your thoughts on a back catalog, how your back catalog, your previous releases have benefited your record label recently or over the years. Uh, and if you have any questions and you can also share your experiences in our Facebook group, I'd love to hear from you. Go to otherrecordlabels.com slash back catalog for the notes of today's episode. And I hope you found this helpful.